You're listening to the Chronicles of Aguda, the Arsenal podcast. I'm Martin Tyler, and you're listening to Harry Simeon. Hello and welcome back to a very special edition of the Chronicles of Aguna podcast today in which we're going to be discussing the big news coming from West London, not North London, but West London. Uh, News that has big implications on Chelsea Football Club, one of our rivals, as well as the Premier League. Lots and lots uh, to get into on this one. We're also going to be rounding up the latest Arsenal news. We're going to be talking about William Saliba's recent comments. We'll be talking about Emile Smith-Rowe's availability. And we'll be looking a little bit back onto uh, last night's Champions League clash between Real Madrid and Paris Saint-Germain. What a game that was. Lots of you in the live chat already. A big hello to you all. Hope you're all well. Hope you're doing good. Uh, Peeny Ween says, uh, I missed the flat cap. Well, after the, all the criticism I got for the flat cap yesterday, it's been chucked to the side, never to return again. Uh, we're going back to a traditional cap just because... Uh, Got way too much grief for that, uh, for my liking. But anyway, um, okay, let's uh, let's get into the big topic. Let's get into the big subject. And I know that it's not an Arsenal-related topic, but this is too big a news story for us to completely ignore it. I think we definitely need to have this discussion. I think we definitely need to talk about what has come out this morning, and that is that the UK government have sanctioned Chelsea owner Roman Abramovich. Now, it's taken some time. There have been a number of people arguing that this should have happened a couple of weeks ago, that it's taken the UK government too long to actually put this in place. Well, they've done it now. And look, I agree it did take too long, but it's done now. So let's focus on what that means. Now, let me quickly run you through the implications of this sanctioning uh, of Roman Abramovich and what it means for Chelsea Football Club. So the club are still allowed to operate under a special license. Uh, The club, though, will not be allowed to sell any more tickets. Only season ticket holders can attend games for the foreseeable future. They're not allowed to make any transfers. They're not allowed to renew any player contracts, and they're not even allowed to sell any merchandise. They also um, have limits on what they can spend now in terms of staging games at Stamford Bridge. The maximum uh, allowed for that is 500,000. They, of course, uh, can still pay outstanding transfer fees and can still pay players and staff. They can receive payments, but they will be frozen. And this is all under a very special license that's been granted until the 31st of May, but can be revoked and changed by the government at any point. They're also prohibited from spending more than £20,000 on away game travel, posing questions about their Champions League tie scheduled for next week, in which they will be travelling to Lille to take on the French champions. So much uh, sort of uh, talk, so much uh, to kind of unpack around this one. And I guess the big question in a lot of people's eyes is, well, what does it mean now in terms of the sale of the club? We know that Roman Abramovich has been working hard behind the scenes following a statement he put out uh, around about a week ago now in which he confirmed that he'd be selling the club and that he would be looking to move it on. Uh, He said that he had to leave. He said that he didn't want to leave. It was a very difficult decision, but it was the best thing for the club. And we know that there are a number of interested parties. So what does the sanctioning mean 
with regards to the sale of the club. Well, here's how I understand it. Now, I've been trying to do some research on this all morning. Um, and I've been trying to make sense of exactly what is going on uh, with regards to these sanctions and what they mean for the sale. But the way I understand it is that the government could grant a special license for the sale of the club as long as none of the proceeds go to Roman Abramovich. So essentially, the the government would seize the football club, ownership of the football club from Roman Abramovich, sell the club on to somebody that they see as a suitable successor and then basically freeze the money and make sure that it doesn't get to Roman Abramovich. Now, what happens to that money in the future? I don't know. Uh, I'm not an expert in that particular area. But the other big question that kind of come to my mind when thinking about this was what happens to the price of the club now? Because, of course, if Roman Abramovich is selling it, he's got a valuation in his mind. He knows what he believes the club to be worth. And essentially, it comes down to a situation where if there are a number of interested parties, the highest bidder would probably get their way, right? Um, you know, I know Chelsea fans like to be romantic and like to pretend that Roman Abramovich would have only sold it to the person with the club's interests at heart. Absolute nonsense. The guy's a mercenary. He doesn't care. He just wants his money. And he was hoping that he'd be able to get his money, get this sale through and sail off into the sunset on his flashy yacht without anybody stopping him. Well, that's not going to happen now. But what happens to the price of Chelsea Football Club? I don't know. This is a big question for me, and I'm going to be doing as much reading and as much research as I possibly can on this in the coming days. And as and when I learn new things about it, I will, of course, be sharing them with you right here on the podcast. Um, but this is big, big news. And it's big, big news because this obviously has ramifications that destabilize Chelsea as a football club off the field but it also can destabilize them on the field and from an Arsenal perspective now we're looking at Chelsea and going well the place you know what not impossible that door might be open and all of a sudden we might be now in a in a position where there are now two Champions League positions up for grabs if of course Chelsea's form drops off off the back of this now I'm not saying it's definitely going to okay you know they're professional footballers. They've got a professional manager in Thomas Tuchel. They've certainly got lots of talent within their ranks and they have a squad more than capable of going on and, and consolidating a third place finish in the Premier League. But you cannot tell me that as an employee of Chelsea Football Club, you would not be affected in any way, shape or form by this news. And I'm actually doing live commentary this evening on the game between Norwich and Chelsea at Carrow Road on Flash Score. You can come uh, tune in if you fancy my company through that game. I'll be taking you through it from 7.25pm. Kickoff, remember, 7.30, slightly earlier than normal on that one. But I'm curious to see how this is going to impact on Chelsea. I'm curious to see how this is going to play on the minds of the players, of the manager. And look, Thomas Tuchel is too big a manager and too good a manager. And I think too good of a bloke, to be honest, to come out and say, um, you know, if the game doesn't go to plan, that it's because of what's going on behind the scenes. But you can't pretend or you can't avoid the fact that this will undoubtedly have some impact on Chelsea's mindset and Chelsea's mental state going into this game. Chelsea fans are all over social media. They're all over it, you know, acting as though they've been wronged, acting outraged. Let's be honest, you have benefited from the money of a murderous regime being ploughed into your club since, what, 2003, 2004? 
I don't feel sorry for you in the slightest. And I said last week that I had some sympathy for some Chelsea fans who, you know, only have the club's best interests at heart and were a little bit more humble and were a little bit more understanding of the situation and why sanctions were were inevitable. I had some sympathy for those guys. And then Chelsea went to Burnley and they went to Burnley and they chanted Roman Abramovich's name during a show of solidarity to Ukraine. And at that point, I just gave up feeling sorry for them. I thought, you know, every club has idiots. I said this on the show, um, you know, after the weekend, every club has idiots within their fan base, ourselves included. But that was just read the room. You know, the timing of it was just so, so poor. So now those same people who were chanting Roman Abramovich's name are all over social media today telling the world that, they are outraged and that Chelsea are being picked on and that Chelsea are being made an example of. No, you're not. You know, you're not being made an example of. You have an owner with direct connections to a murderous dictator who is currently invading another country in 2022. I thought all this shit was in the past. I didn't think we were going to see anything like this again for the rest of my lifetime. But it's happening. And it's been found. And, and there's plenty of documents going around the internet that you can have a good read of if you'd like to. That Roman Abramovich's involvement in a, a particular company that, that um, manufactures steel and, and does mining has contributed directly to the destabilization of Ukraine. It's why Roman Abramovich transferred all his shares or whatever he did, um, you know, just recently, just before the invasion began, because he knew that that tied him to Vladimir Putin's actions. And I'm not a politician and I'm not an expert on all of these topics. And I don't want to claim to be. I'm very mindful and conscious of going down rabbit holes of things that I'm not educated enough on to, to really speak from a good place. But I'll tell you one thing. I don't feel any sympathy for the Chelsea fans that were at Burnley just last week chanting Roman Abramovich's name. Does it take the shine? Does the situation that Chelsea currently find themselves in take the shine off of all the achievements under Roman Abramovich's ownership? You have to say it has. You have to say it does. You know, at the time, Chelsea fans loved it and enjoyed it. And if it was Arsenal, we'd have loved it and we'd have enjoyed it, of course. But there's no doubt that this does take the shine off all of those achievements. To, you know, to now know where, you know, to now know that Roman Abramovich is directly involved and has, you know, connections with, um, you know, Vladimir Putin and, and to, to know detail and understand that completely now, it should make you feel bad if you're a Chelsea fan about the fact that you didn't seem to care about where that money was coming from in the past. You know, we, we, we've been very, very quick to have a go at Newcastle United following the takeover by the Saudi consortium. We've been very, very quick to have a go at Newcastle fans who perhaps haven't shown as much uh, sensitivity around the subject of where their money comes from and how it's been accumulated and, and all the other issues that surround that. So why are we now going to give Chelsea fans a free pass? It's not fair. It's not one rule for one, one rule for the others. The issue is that this Chelsea takeover, Roman Abramovich's purchase of Chelsea Football Club, happened way before people were even alert to all of this stuff and awake to all of this stuff. But that doesn't mean it was right. That doesn't mean it's OK and we can excuse it. We still have to look at the people who have 
you know, defended Roman Abramovich and defended the indefensible. That's that's the bottom line here, you know. And I and I saw a tweet earlier on, and I, I don't wish to get involved in kind of uh, personal back and forth, um, you know, with uh, with with certain people and and Chelsea fans in particular. But I do, I did see this one tweet. Let me just bring it up, um, and it said, "Hold on, here we go." Uh, Roman Abramovich facts. He granted the net sale of the club to aid the Ukrainian crisis. He openly involved himself in conflict resolution talks. He allowed NHS staff to stay at the hotel and fed them for free during the COVID outbreak. Roman Abramovich alleged facts are that he's friends with Vladimir Putin. No, he is friends with Vladimir Putin. He is connected to Vladimir Putin. He always has been. We've known this for years. Why are people denying it now? Did he say that he'd give some of the funds or he'd grant, he did grant any profit um, to, to charities helping with the Ukrainian crisis? He said he'd set up his own charitable fund, but I'm sure he was going to take care of himself first and foremost. Openly involved in conflict resolution talks. Is he at the table with Mr. Putin telling him to stop? I don't think so. And talking about giving NHS... Uh, staff free stays and feeding them during the COVID outbreak. That is the very definition of sports washing. That's what sports washing is. When you hear that term banded about, it's the use and the utilization of a football club or a sports club or or something sport related to try and paint yourself in a prettier picture. That's exactly what Roma Abramovich has done. And if you think that all of that is is are things that he's done from the bottom of his heart, then you are sadly mistaken and you are sadly naive. Roman Abramovich is using and has been using Chelsea Football Club for many, many years to try and hide, cover up and, and change the perception of him that was there in the first place. That's what it is. That's what it is. What does this mean for Chelsea going forward in a football sense? We've talked about that just briefly. You know, it, it will have some impact. There's no question in my mind about that. You know, you're walking out for Chelsea tonight at Carroll Road. You probably still got enough quality to beat Norwich, who are struggling down at the bottom of the Premier League. But you will have this playing on your mind. What does your future hold? You know, that is something that is is really important. And there are players, of course, like Andreas Christensen, who we knew was going to leave on a free anyway whose contract they definitely can't renew now. Antonio Rudiger, another one, Cesar Azpilicueta, and I think there are a number of other players, Ruben Loftus-Cheek, Ross Barkley, uh, I think are players also that are um, that are, are coming towards the end of their contracts and their contracts cannot be renewed as a consequence of these, uh, of these sanctions, of these, um, of these measures being put in place. Now, do I think that Chelsea will find ways around some of this stuff? Yeah. 100% they will. For example, the whole travel stuff, will they pretend that or, or will they claim that all of their travel has been sorted out already? You know, that's just one example of how I think they're probably going to get around uh, some of this stuff. I think that nowadays, you know, the government have, uh, have acted really poorly um, in, um, you know, in, in taking their time to implement these sanctions. But then not being very secretive about it and actually being so transparent, probably more by design than than by being incompetent, 
but they've done things in a way where they've kind of hinted at stuff and almost given the heads up to the the lawyers and the people working on behalf of these individuals to find ways around it. And I think that Chelsea will find ways around some of the things that I've listed off in terms of the consequences and some of the issues that they're going to have to deal with. I think they will find ways around a lot of it, not all of it, but a lot of it. So I'm not going to sit here and go, well, this is the end of Chelsea Football Club. They're going to crash and burn now. I think the government will take charge. I think the government will see a sale through. And I think Chelsea will still be, um, you know, a force in English football in the next few years. But will they be as strong a force as they have been without Roman Abramovich bankrolling it? Absolutely not. Big news, big stuff. And um, we'll be keeping our eyes on it. That's all we know at the moment. We'll be keeping a close eye on how this develops, on how this progresses and uh, and whether or not Chelsea do try and find uh, or are able to find ways around some of the um, restrictions imposed as a result of the sanctions placed on the club's owner, Roman Abramovich. OK, uh, let's move on. Let's talk about a few. Uh, you know, what? actually, before we move on, let's get some of your thoughts and let's get some of your comments um, on this, because it is a really, really interesting subject. It is a really, really um deep subject. And I want to get you guys' thoughts uh, on this. Uh, let's see what uh, Daniel says. Daniel says it all seems a little unfair. It's borderline racist. Nikita Mazepin has lost his F1 seat in Formula One just because he is Russian. He isn't killing any Ukrainians. Now, I've I've said this in the past, Daniel, and, and you know, your comment, I disagree with it, but I think it is valid in some senses. And I don't want people to jump on on you in the comments for this, because I get what you're saying. And I said earlier on in, in the, you know, in the month that I thought it was unfair that some of the athletes, for example, who have been training their entire lives to compete at certain events are now going to have that taken away from them because of a decision made by Vladimir Putin. And I stick by that. But from what I understand, Nikita Mazepin uh, is the son of an oligarch. If I'm, and I don't know, 100% on that. I, I'm pretty sure I read that. Um, bear with me a second. Um, Dmitry Mazepin is a Russian oligarch. So that's why he's been dragged into this. And, and the Russian oligarchs are the ones that are being targeted, right? So I don't, you know, I don't want to see individual athletes who have nothing to do with this individual sports people who have nothing to do with this punished or dragged into it. But Nikita Mazepin's situation is a little bit different because of that close connection. And I agree with you. He's not killing any Ukrainians, but is his father involved in the funding of Vladimir Putin's regime, which is directly involved in killing Ukrainians? That's the that's the big point here. And it's really dangerous to kind of get sucked into this too much when we don't really know all of the facts. But that was what my understanding of that particular situation is. But your bog standard cyclist, for example, who has no oligarch father and who has no um, connection to Vladimir Putin's re regime uh, shouldn't be punished. I agree with that. But this is the, the action that the rest of the world has decided to take against Russia in an attempt to try and pressure them into um, doing something about what Vladimir Putin is doing. Junior Gunner says, couldn't have happened to a nicer bunch. I hope they remember when they didn't let that poor bloke on the train in Paris. Uh, John Daly says, you're coming across great, Harry. You're saying what a lot of people are thinking. Great show, buddy. Thank you so much, mate. Uh, Peeny Wynn says, speaking brilliantly on this, Harry. Glad I'm here to witness it. Thank you, 
so, so much. And a big hello to Trev as well, uh, who joins us in the chat box. This is a really good point. And it was actually next on my list to discuss. We, Arsenal Football Club, really dodged a bullet with Alicia Usmanov. Now, I remember that when we were all sitting there going, let the Russian take over. Let Alicia Usmanov take control of Arsenal. He'll be much more ambitious. Look at what Roman Abramovich is doing at Chelsea. We can mirror that. We can do that at Arsenal Football Club. It didn't happen for whatever reasons. Um, we know that KSE uh, were very kind of sly and very clever and very shrewd in the way they ended up taking full charge of the club. But now looking back on it, as much as we've been critical of KSE and they deserve it, you know, for a lot of uh, for a lot of things and for a lot of issues, we have really dodged the bullet with Usmanov because had he been uh, the uh, full owner of Arsenal Football Club now, we'd probably be in a similar position. Lots of people keep talking about Everton and the fact that Alicia Usmanov is invested in Everton and, and whether that's going to mean punishments and, and problems for Everton. I think Alicia Usmanov has been really, really clever and really, really um, calculated in the way he's invested in Everton. From what I understand, he's been bankrolling Farhad Moshiri, who is obviously a long-time associate of his. Uh, Usmanov is invested in Everton, but I don't know that he is directly tied to the football club, which means that Everton, in my opinion, might just get away with this. Usmanov did it that way and, and Farhad Mashiri and he came to that agreement from what I remember at the time because of Usmanov's links to Arsenal, meaning that he couldn't then be linked with another Premier League club when he first started kind of shifting money over there. Um, so I, I think that's correct. Um but yeah, interesting stuff. Uh, Graham Sutherland says that Chelsea is the Mississippi Bell of football, Harry. <laughs> uh, nice Ozark reference there. Uh, big hello to Matt Tomo as well. And uh, big love to everybody, as of course, in Ukraine. And for those who um, are currently suffering with what's going on, hope everyone uh, is okay or as well as can be. Let's see what else we've got in the comments section. Uh, Zeus says, can other teams poach their players in the next transfer window? Don't know. Um, they're not allowed to make transfers in. We know that. Don't know what the situation is with transfers out, though. Don't know how that's all going to work. There's still not all that much clarity um, in in how, uh, you know, these, I, I guess you want to call them stipulations, are going to directly impact on Chelsea's day-to-day -day running. Um, I know that they can't bring players in. I don't know what it means in terms of trying to get players out of there. Uh, Obradek goes back to the Abramovich thing. and says, Abramovich helped Putin rise to power and he used Chelsea to launder his image and make himself look good. Chelsea Football Club was used by this criminal. Um, let's see uh, what else we've got. Uh, we've got this one uh, from Mohammed who says, we live in a double measured moral world. Now they're mixing sports with politics and he references the Israel-Palestine situation um, and says that you know, nobody really talks about that. And nobody moves on that at all. And, and listen, that's a that's a really poor situation, bad situation. And uh, and one that, you know, I've been well aware of for many, many years. And and you're right, though, Mohammed. you know, we we are in this place now where football, sport and politics are, are kind of colliding in the same world. And it is dangerous because we can't be on the one hand condemning certain political acts. And I'm not meaning to pick on any 
one country. You know, there are lots of countries in the world over the years that have been aggressors towards others. I'm not going to sit here and, 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 you know, say, well, this country are out of order and let another country get a free pass. Any violence, any criminality, any aggression um, is, of course, wrong. There's no question about that. But I think we've got to, you know, we've got to now, uh, you know, well, as football fans in 2022 and the people in particular at the top of the game that look after the game and that make these decisions, i.e., is this person fit and proper? You know, we hear a lot about that fit and proper person's test that prospective Premier League owners need to go through before they're allowed to take on a club. We've got to think about the political implications of some of these owners being in charge as well. And I don't think that we we do that well enough. You know, I, I really don't. I, I think that we were well aware of Abramovich's links to Vladimir Putin back when he took charge of the club. Nobody cared. We were well aware of the issues uh, with regards to the people taking over Newcastle and that got forced through. He still had to get the green light at some point and it did. We were well aware of Manchester City and some of the human rights issues behind their owners and the same with Paris Saint-Germain and we've allowed this to happen why because we were greedy football got greedy football started to care about people's wealth and 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 about the money that would be coming into the sport more than human rights more than uh, humanitarian issues and now we're in a place where we're too far gone and and I don't know how you reverse this I really don't you know you can apply sanctions on somebody like Roman Abramovich, but he's had 20 odd years uh, at the top of Chelsea Football Club, at the top of the Premier League, winning European trophies. And nobody seemed to care about it up until this point, which is completely wrong. But we're in this weird place where we can't, um, you know, I don't, I'm not saying we can't fix it. I'm not saying we shouldn't be trying to fix it. I just don't know how you fix it now, how you backtrack and how you resolve this issue, having let it go so far down the line. It's really difficult. Um, let's see uh, what else we've got. Um, Clem Diggity makes the point that idiots can wear any football shirt and all fan bases will be made up of a mixture of personality types. I personally know a few Chelsea fans that are great guys. And that, that's a good point as well. And I said that earlier on. I said that, you know, all football clubs have idiot fans. We have plenty. Um, so I'm not getting on my high horse and condemning all Chelsea fans, but I am condemning some who I did see on social media a few days ago, basically crying and, you know, and, and pouring their hearts out about what a lovely guy Roman Abramovich is and all the romanticism around, um, you know, how well he's done with the club and how they're going to miss him and how it's the end of their greatest era ever. But then those same people were chanting Roman Abramovich or, you know, or were happy or, or were reluctant to condemn some of their peers who did stand there and chant Roman Abramovich's name during that whole thing at Burnley and are now pretending that their club are the victims. I, you know, every club, as I say, has good and bad, um, but I don't feel sorry for those who have, of course, um, you know, been okay with all of this. And, you know, and I'm not saying that Chelsea fans should have stood up 10 years ago and said, get Roman Abramovich out of our club. I'm not saying that. Hindsight is a beautiful thing. And if Russia doesn't invade Ukraine, then we're not even talking about Roman Abramovich anymore. Or we're not talking about Roman Abramovich with the, the level of intensity that we are today. 
So I get that things change and things in the world change and people only ever want to deal with an issue when it directly starts to impact them or when it's in their face. There are a lot of issues going on that happen in our kind of peripheral vision that we just ignore and we just get on with it. That doesn't make it right, but that's the reality of the world. So I don't expect Chelsea fans in hindsight to go back and say, oh, 10 years ago, we should have kicked Roman Abramovich out. But I don't expect Chelsea fans to defend the indefensible now. That's my point. Keep quiet on it. Uh, let's see uh, what else uh, we've got. Um, uh, Ham says donating to Ukrainian victims after funding and aiding the invasion of Ukraine is like burning someone's house down, but then buying them dinner after token gesture, which doesn't change anything. Agreed. Um, and, and I also agree that the sanctions, um, as is mentioned by a couple of you, uh, will not just stop the war. You know, it's much deeper than that. And it's too far gone, unfortunately. Um, just a quick reminder, if you haven't done so already, please do hit the like button on this video. I'd very, very much appreciate it. There's more than enough of you watching. Let's try and get to 100 likes ASAP. We're only on about 50 odd at the moment. Let's try and double that uh, in the next few minutes. That would be great. We're going to move on from the whole Roman Abramovich thing now. But of course, big, big news that we'll be keeping you across as the days go by and as we get more clarity and understanding of how these situations directly impact Chelsea Football Club. Let's move on and talk briefly about Real Madrid's win over Paris Saint-Germain last night. First of all, I want to say a big thank you to those of you who joined me on the channel for the live watch along. It was great fun. Really, really enjoyed it. And I really enjoyed the game. Incredible game. Um, PSG collapsing in the Champions League. Again, Real Madrid showing their mental toughness and mental resilience to get through that. Karim Benzema, the real star of the night. But Luka Modric was pr pretty fantastic as well. I thought the game was was turned really when uh, Carlo Ancelotti made the change. He, he took Tony Kroos off and he put Kamavinga on in midfield and he just released the shackles off of Luka Modric and allowed him to get further forward and get more involved in their attacking play. I thought he was brilliant. I thought Benzema was brilliant. I thought that Vinicius, although his end product wasn't always quite there, I thought he played a big part in causing PSG problems all night long. Kylian Mbappe on the other side, brilliant as well. Um, I do think it was a foul on Donnarumma in the lead up to Real Madrid's first goal. And I can understand why Maurizio Pochettino is frustrated by that because he will be judged, won't he? on the Champions League. We always knew that was going to be the case, winning French Ligue 1 for a PSG manager. I know they didn't win it last season, but it is a given in terms of what you're supposed to achieve at that football club. So um, he'll be frustrated that his team were dumped out and he'll be frustrated that the pendulum very much swung at the Bernabeu last night off the back of what was a foul, in my opinion, on Gianluigi Donnarumma. But that doesn't excuse the capitulation afterwards. And it was a capitulation. Um, lots of you in the chat talking about Marquinhos. Yeah, he was poor uh, in the heart of the PSG defence for sure. Um, yeah, uh, you know, not a great game uh, by his standards and uh, not a game he'll look back on very fondly. But an excellent Champions League tie again. And, and that's why it's a fantastic competition. And I am gutted at the changing format. I just don't think it's going to work. I might be proven wrong. Maybe I'll get used to it. Um, I, I didn't like it when the Champions League format changed last time from the two group stages to the one. I didn't like that. So, but then I've got over it and I've got used to it and I think it's okay now. I think right now it's perfect. I wouldn't have changed anything, but they have. Um, 
hopefully Arsenal will be in it and we'll be experiencing those changes at first hand. OK, uh, let's move on to William Saliba, who's been talking about his recent performances. The Arsenal defender currently on loan at Marseille, although he is due to return to Emirates Stadium in the summer, hopefully to fight for his place in Mikel Arteta's squad. He has, though, been experiencing a real dip of form of late. Not just he, but Marseille in general have been struggling over the last few weeks. And William Saliba has been speaking about his performances. He came out and said, and I'm paraphrasing, that he knows he's been average since February and that there's nowhere to hide, that he's a young player. And that's not an excuse, but it means that he needs to keep working. He showed a real mature side. To be able to self-evaluate yourself in a negative way, I think is, is a sign of maturity because people who lack maturity more often than not are unable to be critical of themselves. They think their shit don't stink. They think everything that they do is right. And they're always looking for someone else to put the blame on. But William Saliba has looked at his own performances a bit like Thomas Partey did um, you know, earlier on in the season, he's reflected on his own individual performances and recognises that he needs to do more and that he needs to do better. And I think Mikel Arteta, you know, I think his intention was to bring him back this summer and his intention is to give him an opportunity. But I think Mikel Arteta will have been sitting on his sofa somewhere um, and will have cracked a little smile at hearing those comments from William Saliba because it shows the kind of maturity that we suspect wasn't on show prior to him being moved out of Arsenal and and the lack of maturity that we think is the reason Mikel Arteta didn't really fancy him. So interesting to hear those comments and um, and I'll be keeping a, a closer eye on William Saliba and how now he bounces back and tries to uh, work on that. Uh, Saswat says in the chat, Saliba's been watching Partey's interviews, certainly feels that way, doesn't it? Uh, because as I, I made the comparison between the two very similar interviews. And look how Thomas Partey's form improved off the back of that. Hopefully, Celibus will do the same. Um, there was a, a bit of concern yesterday on social media uh, after Thomas Partey smashed into Alexander Lacazette in training. Uh, lots of people making quite a bit of that on social media. Don't injure Lacazette. He's our only functional striker. But it looks as though Lacazette's okay. It looks as though the pair had a bit of a laugh and joke about it on social media. But just a sign of Thomas Partey getting that bit between his teeth again, even in training, working very hard and not leaving anything to chance. He's, I don't want him to injure our players, of course, but Thomas Partey just really seems to have found himself again. And we're now starting to see the Thomas Partey that we signed from Atletico Madrid all that time ago. Um, Emile Smith-Rowe is back at London Colney, according to Charles Watts. Um, I saw that uh, earlier on. Charles mentioned that Emile Smith-Rowe is back at the training centre, but was not sure if he had trained with the first team yet. It's good to see him back in and around the place because, of course, he missed the trip to Watford at the weekend through COVID. So good to see that Emile Smith-Rowe um, is, is back in and around the place. And I think he will... Um, or should be at least available to take part in the squad uh, coming up to Sunday when we take on Leicester in another huge Premier League clash for the Arsenal. Remember, we've got uh, Liverpool in midweek, so we could really do with picking up three points uh, against Leicester in this one. And of course, United take on Spurs. And if that result goes the way we want it to, along with us picking up three points at Leicester, then you go into the Liverpool game. And I'm not saying that you should just give up and I'm not saying you shouldn't try a win and I'm not saying that we don't stand any chance. But you then go into that game 
with some of the pressure having been relieved from your shoulders and you can go out and play your game and hopefully get the positive result. Okay, uh, that brings us uh, towards the end of the show. We've talked Roman Abramovich. We've talked Real Madrid versus PSG. We've talked William Saliba, Thomas Partey, Emil Smith-Rowe and more. Uh, also, uh, we will... Uh, uh, I just, well, I just want to say thank you for all your brilliant interaction in the comment section. Uh, we will be doing a Q&A on the next show. So any burning questions, uh, keep them at the forefront of your mind. Maybe jot them down and uh, I'll make sure I get through as many of those as I possibly can on the next edition of the podcast. Just a quick reminder, uh, we are partnered up currently with Football Prizes. If you want to enter the draw for this Ben White signed and custom frame football boot, you've got until 7.30 p.m. tonight on Thursday to get involved in that, you can purchase a ticket for just £5.95. The link is in the description. It's a fantastic prize. It's a brilliant prize. It would be the perfect gift for a Guna supporting friend. Get involved. Have a look. Football Prizes. We thank them for their kind partnership. Make sure you click on the link in the description and get involved in that. OK, I'll be back very, very soon with more Arsenal content. Don't forget, join me later on Flash Score for live commentary of Norwich and a Chelsea who will no doubt be rocked by the news that has emerged this morning. Um, always difficult to talk about subjects that kind of cross into, you know, or, or from the world of football into the political world. I'm no politician. I'm not an expert on it. So I'm always very conscious of how I come across in these particular discussions. But thank you for all your kind comments in the chat and making me feel at ease about it. We'll be back very soon with more. Until next time, take care. Goodbye. listening to the Chronicles of Aguna, the Arsenal podcast. I'm Martin Tyler, and you're listening to Harry Simeon.